We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, waltzing right back into your lives. Back-to-back nights. Talk about Flow Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in, whether you're listening on the audio side, whether you're checking this out on YouTube. It's Wednesday. I am joined for the first time, man, in three years. I had to look it up. In three years since I've had this man on a podcast with me, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. From The Athletic, Matthew Fairburn. What's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. It's been a while. A lot has happened in the world since uh, since we last spoke. I mean, the Bills are the Super Bowl favorites. Uh, I'm a married man. Uh, I'm yeah. a father. There's been a pandemic. I mean, I've moved <laughs> out of state back into state. So, uh, yeah, plenty to plenty to catch up on here. I was looking it up. So this is episode actually 492. I had you on episode 17. When I first had you on, so I had you on really early, and then you were on again, like about in June of 2019. And to your point, so much has uh, changed, and you've been back for a while now. So it's not like you're freshly back on the Buffalo in the sports media scene, anyway. Working in Buffalo again, I know you've it's been a process moving physically back to Buffalo um, over the course of the summer and into the fall. But uh, let's start here. So now you're covering the Sabers for the Athletic after covering the Buffalo Bills, of course. Talk a little bit, and I'm sure you've done this before, but maybe in some detail here, talk a little bit about the decision to come back to Buffalo, maybe take us inside a little bit of that process. Was it a difficult decision? Because again, you covered the Bills in Buffalo. You went to New England to cover the Patriots, where you grew up, from what I remember, correct? Like that's from where you grew up. So you kind of went back home in a way to work. And then ultimately, now you're back here again, and now you're covering the Buffalo Sabres. Just talk about that decision. Was it a difficult one, the process? Yeah, the whole last 12 months or so, I think it was about around this time a year ago that we moved to New England. So Mm -hmm. I took that job like right before the start of the football season last year. It happened really quick, and I suppose that's the, the spot to start because you know, leaving Buffalo was probably the more, you know, was as difficult, if not more difficult than, uh, the decision to come back. Uh, it was one of those jobs that, like you said, I grew up, I grew up 30 minutes North of Boston. Uh, that media market, um, was always something I had as a goal. I, it, 
wasn't something I was actively pursuing. A, an opportunity came up at the athletic. Uh, they were excited about the idea of me jumping on it. And, you know, my wife had always, you know, loved the area and, and wanted to give it a shot. So we did. Um, and for a variety of reasons, it, it wasn't exactly what we were hoping. Uh, my wife is from Buffalo. So, you know, mm -hmm. she was missing family and friends quite a bit. Boston is a, I mean, I love Boston. I love, you know, the area. I wouldn't trade any of that time there because we got so much time with family and friends, um, you know, that we otherwise wouldn't have gotten. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a bigger place, a lot more traffic. There's a lot more, you know, just a, a lot of different reasons that we thought, you know, eventually long-term, whenever we, you know, are done moving, Buffalo probably makes a little bit more sense for us. And John Vogel, um, it was around the time I think that Tim Graham was out covering Bill's Patriots around Christmas that he mentioned John Vogel was thinking it might be his last season. And so right. I just kind of, you know, kept in touch with the, I obviously kept in touch with, with Tim and John and Joe and everybody here. And once I realized John was for sure thinking he would transition away from that role, you know, and he, he and I had a conversation and he said he wasn't really sure. Uh, you know, they weren't really coming up with any good internal candidates and they were kind of, you know, wondering what they would do. Buffalo isn't uh, New York or Los Angeles or, you know, one of those places that uh, people are necessarily jumping to move, especially with the Sabres being one of the worst teams in the league. So um, I, you know, brought up the conversation to the bosses, you know, went through the application process, the whole thing. And it was just a, a great fit. Uh, because I mean, the hockey people at our company are amazing. Uh, they're, I feel like that's where the athletic kind of cut its teeth as a company and, um, you know, to be able to jump in and fill a spot that John had for 20 years, a spot that Tim Graham had a spot that yeah. Bucky Gleason had. I mean, you know, I grew up playing hockey, always had been curious about, covering hockey. I chipped in for John a few times, did a few stories here and there. So the ability to get my family back where, where they're comfortable and to, you know, have a new challenge coming here was really exciting. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. I have really liked getting to, getting to know a new team and, and getting to know everybody down there. And it's kind of a fun time to be jumping onto the beat. It's not quite as uh, depressing a, a team as it was <laughs> for the last, you know, three or four years, I guess. When did you first start covering the bills? Cause I was going to hit on that. Like you're kind of jumping on board the Sabres at a time where it feels like, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, you know, their stock is a little bit on the rise. Now you covered the Buffalo bills for quite a while before the athletic, you were also at NewYorkUp.com. When did you first start covering the bills? 2014. So right, it was, well, they still stunk then. Yeah, it was Doug Marone's second year. Uh, and then, you know, had to cover the, the Rex Ryan era as decorated as that was. And, <laughs> and then, yeah, so it, it took a turn probably when around the time, you know, the athletic launched, uh, right around, you know, 2017 was pretty good and we launched in 2018. So, uh, it was crazy to think that I had, you know, when I, you know, introduce myself to people in the hockey world. And I say, you know, I covered the NFL for eight years before this. It's like time flies. I, I, I feel old all of a sudden. 
Now, people who up to this point have only known you from your professional work and maybe not as much personally, you kind of hit on this before. And I remember when I had you on the podcast, because we really didn't talk much Buffalo Bills. I mean, again, we're going back well over three years now, closer to four years. But I remember you talking about playing hockey growing up. You've always been, not even whether you're just playing, but a big hockey fan. Like, you're kind of passionate about hockey. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's always kind of been, you know, Football and hockey were always kind of the two sports in our house growing up. A little bit of baseball. I played baseball as well. But uh, hockey was probably as far, especially as playing, was like the sport uh, for me. And, you know, I when I graduated high school, I stopped playing, um, went to University of Missouri, and they don't really have a hockey team. They have a club team that's like 30 minutes off campus. Mm-hmm. Hockey's not as big a deal there. But, I mean, I remember – going to to Bruins games with my dad from a very young age uh, and just even in college, uh, you know, immediately became friends with one of uh, what I have to imagine was one of the few uh, Canadian born uh, students at the University of Missouri, big Leafs (laughs) fan. And he and I would, you know, be holed up in the dorm on a Saturday night watching hockey. My roommate was a big hockey fan. uh, So sort of gravitated to those people and always kind of, you know, kept, you know, tabs on the game. And I loved that I ended up in a market where uh, hockey was, you know, a big deal. And unfortunately, you know, I got here and it was 2014. So they were in the process of losing on purpose (laughs) and, you know, trying to get Jack Eichel. And then, you know, the Jack Eichel thing was uh, interesting, but not necessarily the most uh, fruitful for the Sabres. But but yeah, I, I grew up playing goalie uh, in the Boston area. Uh, certainly wasn't wasn't good enough to to be anything beyond a, a a decent high school player. But just something about the game was always uh, always pretty special. And uh, remember collecting the cards and playing the video games and all that stuff. It was always uh, probably the biggest sport in our house, and um, you know, to this day, might still be. Now, coming back from, we're going from Buffalo to New England and then coming back now again to Buffalo, you kind of hit on that not being a terribly difficult decision for a lot of reasons, but switching sports, going from, you know, spending the last eight years covering the NFL, now you're covering the NHL. So going from football to hockey, was that a pretty easy decision? Was that a little difficult? Like kind of take us inside that a little bit. Yeah, so it was a little bit difficult. I mean, the beat I had, you know, the Patriots beat is one of the bigger beats at, you know, our company at any, you know, company, really. I mean, the NFL is, you know, sort of the big beat and uh, the Patriots are one of the most popular teams in the NFL. They're one of the most red teams, even being a, you know, a, a lousy team for the most part, uh, you know, the last couple of years, they still uh, are one of those teams that everybody's paying attention to. Sure. So there was some of that, but I think what, you know, moving away made me realize is you kind of go, you know, you're going to the big market, kind of that, that dream job, the, the big team, the big beat. And it's still, you know, not that much different. You know, there's more people there covering the team. There's more eyeballs probably on your average story. And you know, you can feel how big of a market it is, but still day to day, you're going to practice You're, you know, you're seeing who's out there, who's injured. You're, you're making the same calls for the same types of stories. 
And that's where I kind of realized, you know, when the hockey opportunity came up, it was like, well, it makes a ton of sense on the personal side. And, you know, we're so comfortable in Buffalo and there's so many people that we missed here. Sure. Would some people say that going to hockey, you know, hockey's certainly not as popular a sport as, you know, football and uh, the NHL isn't as popular a league as, as the NFL. But as soon as I talked with, you know, James Myrtle uh, and, you know, some of the hockey editors about this job and about the vertical and what they do, it was pretty, pretty easy for me to be comfortable, you know, jumping. I mean, the Sabres are, you know, one of our, our top teams as far as engagement and they haven't even been very good. You know, we'd, and, you know, I think there was part of that too, for me is that the athletics started and I was part of helping get it established in Buffalo. And there's a lot of readers that, that I brought in and it, it feels good to be going back to, to those readers and to be, uh, you know, working for them again. And yeah, it's a different beat. It's a different sport and it's taken some getting used to, don't get me wrong. It's, uh, you don't realize how much, you know, random football information is downloaded onto your brain, random faces of agents and executives and people around the league that, you know, the combine was in Buffalo for hockey and I was there and I was like, I don't know hardly anybody, you know, and it's hard to recognize, (laughs) you know, you're trying to, you know, get rid of all the football faces out of your brain and download some hockey faces to, uh, you know, make some connections and stuff like that. So that part's been, been interesting, all the roster rules, all the different mechanisms of the NHL that when you're just watching casually with a beer on a, you know, Tuesday night, you're, you're not necessarily, um, you know, and I'm engulfed in all that stuff for football. I'm not necessarily trying to do that in my spare time for hockey. So I have to, you know, get up to speed on that, but, I feel like I'm I'm getting there and uh you know certainly this team has has been you know fun to get to know over the last few months and uh you know I'm I'm glad I made the move. When you cover a team professionally, you know I'm sure a lot of people listen who might want younger people maybe they want to get into the business someday or they're just curious and they, and they want to know whether it's football whether it's hockey whatever market you go to when it's new. Buffalo's not a new market to you, but this team this beat is a new team to you. Like you getting to know uh, media relations people or, or public relations people, you know, inside a department um, practice is the same. Because like you said, you cover it. I mean, the Bills only play once a week, but you're still you're at practice every day. I mean, now you're covering Sabres practices, but obviously there's 82 games throughout the course of a season and not 17. I'm sure that's a, a big adjustment or, you know, like getting to know the coaches for the first time and some of the staff or in the players, colleagues, stuff like that. That's a pretty big adjustment, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. It was uh, lucky for me. You know, I had that adjustment certainly in the in the fall. Um, it was like two different adjustments because going to the Patriots, all of that that you talk about getting used to new people who don't really know me. I knew some people from internships uh, and, you know, crossing paths, covering the same division, uh, but getting to new, know new PR people. And every beat is a little bit different in terms of the mechanisms of how you get information, right? You know, it might work one way in Buffalo and work a different way in New England. Certainly New England is a, a unique beast in that way. Coming back, uh, you know, when I was in New England, the the benefit was the sport was familiar. Agents, players, uh, how to cover a team was all very familiar. And it was just the nuances of the beat that were tricky. Coming back, 
it was almost the opposite. It was like all the people, you know, I knew pretty, I know pretty much everybody who, who covers the Sabres or cross paths at some point. Sure. And, you know, PR wise, uh, Nicole who runs PR for the Sabres worked for the bills for five years while, while I was covering them. So, uh, that was great. Um, you know, that's been great to, to have a familiar face there, but then it's figuring everything else out. Okay. How do I cover a hockey practice compared to how you cover a football practice? It's a little bit different. Or like I mentioned, the rosters and, you know, prospects is a, is a completely different thing than football, right? Trying to know all the rules of, you know, when can this guy play in the AHL? What, you know, when is this guy going to get sent back? And, you know, it's, that is all a completely different different animal and you know the salary cap is similar but different there's a lot of analytics are completely different you know i i know i would know where to look for what stats and what stuff would tell me what story in football and you know i'm in the process of figuring that out for hockey so luckily it's not like i'm jumping into an unfamiliar market where i feel like i know the readers pretty well i know you know the the people on the beat i know enough people within the organization same owners too right you know same you know there's a lot of employees that you know kind of are at both places sometimes so that part's all been good don't have to get familiar with the area again you know it's uh sure it's a comfortable place you know so all of that stuff helps so that the rest of it covering a new sport uh is really the challenge but you do it every day and it, it really starts to to sink in pretty quickly. And it's a matter of, you know, when, you know, certainly I've had, I guess, a tiny little bit of Bill's coverage, you know, a little bit with the podcast and stuff like that. But, you know, when it's all hockey all the time, that stuff starts to, to come pretty quickly. And, you know, I know the sport and grew up loving it. So it's just a matter of refamiliarizing myself with the league and who's good and, uh, which players are good and stuff like that. So that's been been a process. But the season season starting and hockey's on the TV all the time and in the house to to you know keep getting myself up to speed. Well, I think the people who are both Bills and Sabers fans, which you know, it's, it's, sorry Kim Bagula, but they're not all opposite. Some of them actually like both teams, myself included. I think it's a good thing. A lot of people know your work from the Bills, who again are also Sabers fans, so they're instantly comfortable with you covering the team, knowing that you're bringing credibility and also to your credit, I I think you were pretty well liked when you were here in Buffalo, just like Marcel was with ESPN. I mean, you guys left, you go to cover the Patriots. Marcel's now covering the Dolphins and like fans really didn't shit on you much. You know what I mean? I mean, there's some hardcore Bills fans who, you know, all of a sudden you go to the Patriots, you're the enemy or like I said, Marcel with Miami, but for the most part, Fans liked you and I could tell it because they really didn't shit on shit on you. Yeah, there was there was a it was more so it was weird because I went to New England and a lot of people in New England weren't happy because I was coming from Buffalo, even though I grew up there. Um, That was probably another adjustment is like, you know, readership is different everywhere. Fans are fans and you're going to have, you know, you know, tough fans. But, you know, in New England, they were they're a little bit of a different, different, uh, different group there. They're, they're tough. Um, and they don't mind, you know, telling you about it. So coming back. So I think I had a little bit of both where it was like, there were some bills fans, I think that were not pleased that that's where I was going, but they were definitely a, a small group. It was more oh, yeah. so when I was covering 
the Patriots and when the Patriots and Bills played against each other, what I had to say was not popular on either side. It seemed like I was <laughs> pissing somebody off one way or the other. Right. When, when the Patriots won that, you know, wind game, you know, people weren't happy. And then when on the other side, when the Bills won and I, you know, let, you know, let it be known why and that Josh Allen had kind of dominated them, you know, people weren't happy with that on the other side. So that was, uh, you know, interesting. And I was curious how it would be coming back. It's like, have I uh, burned the bridge here with the readers at all? But a lot of people, it was a very warm welcome and it was, um, really helped validate the decision for me because that was a big thing that I missed was the connection to the readers that was hard to kind of establish there in a short time in New England. And it's one of the things that, that I'm really glad to have back. Plus, it's not like you like disappeared to Bosnia or anything like that. I mean, from time to time, you've done Tim Graham's podcast, you know, so I've seen you on there. And I'm talking about before you came back. Now, obviously, you'll be on much more with Tim, but you did his show a couple of times. I remember watching you on there a few times, which, by the way, I, I really like that podcast a lot. My favorite podcasts are, are podcasts like Tim's show or Tyler Dunn's because they're not taped in a, in a recording studio. And I think a good podcast would be a conversation. You know what I'm saying? The audio doesn't have to be the absolutely pristine. Everything doesn't have to be scripted and formatted. Sometimes you guys just start riffing. You know what I mean? And that'll take up most of an entire show. So it's not like you completely disappeared. You were still showing your face around it from time to time. Yeah, I jumped. I like, you know, going on with Tim. And I was jumping on with Ty now and again. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. the Patriots were sort of a story. And so I did the podcast with Joe a few times when – uh when the bills and Patriots were, were playing one another right. and, you know, tried to, I hope, you know, most people understood that, you know, leaving was difficult. Uh, and certainly me coming back should, uh, show people just how difficult leaving sure. was because, uh, you know, moved, uh, moved across, well, not across the country, but moved across state lines twice within 12 months with, a with a baby. So, uh, it was, it was not decisions we took lightly, but we're glad, glad to be back and don't plan on, on going anywhere <laughs> anytime soon. No, you were covered even this just for a year, you were covering the, the, the Patriots. And obviously this is during Josh Allen's ongoing ascension. I'm curious to know, like, what was the, uh, the view there with fans and maybe the media too in new England? What did they think of Josh Allen? Because like in Buffalo, it became a lot of jealousy towards Tom Brady because of course they always would beat the bills. He won all the super bowls. He's one of the best players by the greatest quarterback ever. Like what's the, what's the, what other fans think about Josh Allen, at least the beat that you covered from what you could gather. Yeah. It seemed like they were slow to be convinced that he was what he is now. And I think there's probably some, some bills fans who are the same way and, and, 2020 when it started to turn sure. and then last year there was you know some ups and downs with Josh Allen but I think by the end of the year it was very clear to to everybody in New England that that the Patriots had a problem because that guy's now in their division they were starting to feel very familiar with the problem that Bills and Jets and Dolphins fans had for so many years before them with staring at Tom Brady in the division and I have to think it's only gotten worse because the way Josh Allen has started the year has been unbelievable. Uh, the way he finished the year, really, starting with that Patriots game in December was unbelievable. Before that, you know, there was there were moments where he still looked human. Uh, sure. It was like you, if you get the right matchup and you scheme him right and you do certain things, you can knock him off his game. 
I don't know. He hasn't been knocked off his game very much uh, lately. So I think it definitely became a thing, especially there was, and that's, what's interesting about that market is how do you cover, you know, covering Bill Belichick, if it were any other coach last year, he probably gets crushed a little bit more. Although in Boston, he still got, you know, people were putting the screws to him for the way that they finished the year. And then the whole off season of not picking an offensive coordinator and the bills continuing to get better. It just feels like in other places, it would be like, if it weren't Bill Belichick, he's earned it. But if it right. weren't Bill Belichick, he'd probably be getting, uh, you know, even more criticism, but people in Boston aren't really shy about criticizing him. So I would say Josh Allen, if anything, has just put more pressure on Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Not that he necessarily feels it, but I think, it's, you know, up the sense of urgency a little bit. It'd be one thing if it was just a middling division, you know, if it, if the Patriots took a step down and it turned into the NFC East or something, but that has not been the case. It has changed hands and it looked like the Patriots might be able to hold them off last year at one point, but then Josh Allen found this extra gear and just hasn't let up. One last question. And then we'll uh, talk a couple minutes of Buffalo Sabres. So, You've talked, you've been on the, the Buffalo Beat podcast with Joe here and there with the season, now with the Sabres season, but that's before the Sabres, uh, the Sabres season started. Now that that's going to kick in the gear, are you going to still try to do some episodes with, with Joe or with the Sabres season started? Is that going to be close to impossible? Yeah, it's going to be difficult to do a ton. So I'm going to try to when I can, but it will be, I was on there quite a bit before the season, right. um, but it'll be, you know, going through this. I finally like sat down, went through the schedule and tried to match it up. And the hockey schedule is a bit of a beast. Uh, it's one of the, probably the other thing I have to get used to is working all those nights and uh, you know, they're on the ice almost every day. And, you know, I won't be traveling to every single game, but you know, sprinkling in some travel. So it'll be tough to, to be on the show all the time, but, you know, hopefully there'll be a few spots where it might make sense or, um, but otherwise, you know, it'll probably be a little less frequent than, than people have grown accustomed to here in the last couple months. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, 
Look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all of your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back with Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic. All right, let's turn our attention for a few minutes here to uh, the team that you are now covering, the Buffalo Sabres. This is dropping Wednesday morning, so the regular season starts tomorrow, tomorrow night. Um, I wanted to go through uh, the line pairings a little bit and, and get your thoughts, because one thing I found interesting was we knew, based on what we saw last year, it's no surprise that Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner would play together, but it was uncertain who would be playing with them at least to start the season. Again, lines are always fluid and they could change quickly. But, you know, over the course of the last handful of practices in preseason, it certainly looks like Olofsson is going to be playing. When Mighty think he's a fit on that line, what do you think of uh, this current, anyway, uh, Sabres top pairing from what you've seen I, and heard? Yeah, a lot of, lot of firepower, obviously. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Victor Olofsson looks fully healthy. You know, the guy is a shooter, right? He has an incredible shot and, you know, was dealing with an injury that impacted his shot last season. So he wasn't himself, but when you have him and Tage Thompson, the way they shoot the puck and Jeff Skinner as a goal scorer himself, but also a bit of a playmaker. And I think they view him that way. And so they're going to create a ton of chances, I think. And I, I don't envision much of a step back if, at all from Tage Thompson. I think if anything, there's a little bit more, you know, he could bring. And so I think that's an interesting top group to start. If they need to, they can put Alex Tuck up there. But I think the hope is that Tage Thompson is the type of guy who can lift his line the way that Alex Tuck can. And by putting Alex Tuck with Middlestat and Jack Quinn, now you have a guy who's known for making people better with two guys that are going to need it, a rookie and, you know, and Casey Middlestad, who's had some, some ups and downs early in his career. So I think the, the top group is, is a good group to start with and to see where it goes, because if that can work, then that affords you the luxury of using Alex Tuck elsewhere. Now Quinn is going to start the season in Buffalo as is JJ Paterka. I don't think Quinn's much of a surprise at all. I would say maybe Paterka's at least a, a mild surprise. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. In part because Paterka starting the season in Buffalo, at least again, early on, and things could change after a game or two, but 
this is going to put Vinny and Estroza in the press box. He's going to be sitting not far from you watching the game on Thursday night. Is that a little bit surprising to you that Hinnestroza didn't crack the top 12 and that they're going with Baturk up here in Buffalo to start the season? You know, going into training camp, it seemed like maybe J.J. Paterka would have to really go and earn that spot. And this is, you know, one of those interesting differences between like football and hockey training camp is that, and I give the Sabres a lot of credit for this, Kevin Adams and Don Granato mentioned more and more throughout camp the body of work and that these guys had earned the opportunity by what they did in the AHL last year. Football training camp can be such an event and such a every practice is, you know, a huge event and it, it all gets blown out of proportion. And there are spots up for grabs and how you perform in those practices and and things sure. like that. And that's true of hockey around the league, but in Buffalo this year, they were really set on the idea of getting these young guys time. And I spoke with JJ Paterka last week at some point, and it became pretty clear, I think, at that point that he was going to make the team. You know, hearing Don Granado talk about, you know, how he picks up information and he's taking the coaching well, and that that made him comfortable with the idea that he can learn and grow at the NHL level. And JJ Paterka was thrilled by how this preseason went in the sense that he didn't feel afraid to make a mistake because he didn't feel like one mistake was going to cost him. And I think that's actually an important thing for him to have and carry into the season. You saw how in the AHL last year, it took him a while. And so should it be a surprise that in a couple weeks of training camp and preseason, he wasn't lighting up the score sheet? Probably not. You know, it's going to take a little while. I find that whole line to be really interesting. Like not only are they, putting J.J. Paterka in the NHL, but they're putting him on a line with Peyton Krebs and Dylan Cousins. It's a very, very young, young line, very young group. And I, I wrote about those guys earlier this week. They're almost giving Dylan Cousins this responsibility of being the veteran guy that can carry the line defensively. But, you know, Paterka today when he was talking to us, he was just – the kid is over the moon to have made the team. And, you know, the energy that he brings – Everybody in the room that I've talked to, you know, loves watching him play, loves playing with him. And so I think those qualities really helped him. It's not like he looked out of place in the preseason. He just wasn't probably as productive as Henestroza was. But this is also the nature of how they built the roster. They didn't bring in a lot of veterans, hardly any. And they wanted these young guys to have the chance to play in the NHL. And bringing back Henestroza gives them great lineup flexibility because these guys aren't all going to stay healthy for all 82 games. So you have a guy that can fill in anywhere from the top line where Olofsson is all the way down to the fourth line with Ocposo. We've seen both of those scenarios uh, in the preseason. So he's a good 13th forward to have. And I think it's helpful for Paterka's development to know that he's got you know, some runway here. It's not a matter of one mistake is going to land him back in Rochester. He has room to grow and figure things out and learn on the fly. And I think that's, that's a great situation for him. And by, by mid season, it may look like, like a really smart decision to let him do that. That line of 
Cousins, Baturka, and Krebs on paper certainly looks exciting. It has an exciting feel to it. Are you a little bit surprised that they're giving Dylan Cousins this much confidence? They're showing this much confidence, having this much faith in him because, like you said, this is a very young line. You look at Krebs and you look at Baturka, and I'm almost thinking in my mind, man, I wish they had like a Michael Pekka type, you know, an established veteran in the center, a guy like this. Cousins is still young himself, but I mean, he, he looks, he certainly looks the part. Yeah, he's old in terms of NHL experience compared to the other two. He's really not that much older than either one of them, but he's played right. more games. One of the things I've noticed since I got here is the way Don Granado and Kevin Adams talk about Dylan Cousins. You know, every time they're just not afraid to to show how much they they love this guy and what he brings to the table. Uh, development camp was one of the first, <clears throat> one of the first, uh, you know, events, I guess that I, I covered after the draft and cousins was down with the young guys showing them the way. And, and the way Granado talked about that, it was like, this guy's one of their future leaders. He's, he's already leading the young players. And I do think they, they feel like a breakout season is coming from him. And I think they trust him in the defensive zone and trust him in the transition game. I Peyton Krebs is a good defensive player as well from, you know, what I've been watching the way he passes the puck and gets it out of the zone. He, he has really strong defensive instincts. They put him on the penalty kill a few times in the preseason cousins is just getting bigger and stronger and is built to eventually be the type of guy they're asking him to be. And that's essentially what you're seeing with a lot of guys is, they're going to give them the role that they eventually see them in because they're going to let these guys grow into what they can become. And there might right. be some, some bumps that come along with that, but they are backing up everything they've said about Dylan cousins. They're backing it up with their actions by putting him on that line and giving him a chance. It could be a, a super exciting offensive group. Like there's a lot of speed, a lot of goal scoring potential. Could the, you know, the big question I had, you know, and it was, asking around last week about it was the defensive side is, you know, how are these guys going to adjust to that? But, you know, Dylan Cousins said, if we're in the offensive zone, we don't have to worry about that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is great. And, and Don Granado said, it's actually, he's not worried about their assignment. You know, the knowledge of the assignments in the defensive zone. He said, they just have to get the instincts right of when a play is dead and you can transition to offense Figuring that out is a little bit different at the NHL level, but how do you do it if not by getting out there and doing it? So it's, is it a little bit of a risky pair, you know, trio that they put together? Could you put Asplund with them and felt a little bit more balanced and a little bit better about how they would play defense? Sure. But man, there's a lot of upside with that group. And if you see them potentially together long-term, you know, it probably doesn't hurt to get them started right away. Yeah, for sure. On the blue line, so you got Yoki Haru is going to be playing with um, Owen Power. What do you think of that fit? I mean, uh, Darlene playing with Samuelson, that, that was a given. I mean, it's not like for now anyway. It's not like there's a lot of other options. So it's kind of like you guys are going to have to learn to play together. Do you feel like that could be a good fit for Owen Power, though? It'll be interesting because there, Yoki Haru can make some some risky plays with the puck sometimes in his own end. And you've got a, obviously a very young Owen power who's bound to make a few mistakes of his own, but they both are pretty strong, you know, with the puck and, you know, and Yoki Haru is still pretty young as far as a defenseman goes. He's still, I think 
figuring things out and getting better, still improving. So I am fascinated. Probably the most interesting player I think to follow this season is going to be Owen Power, just because you think about the trajectory of the organization if he's really good. You know, obviously Rasmus Dahlin has to continue to build off what he did last year, but if you can have two legit franchise defensemen, that really sets you up long-term uh, to to build. And so, Yoki Haru, will it be a, a bit of a dicey pairing at times? I'm sure it will. I'm sure it won't go perfectly smooth, but power has been really, really solid and does not look like he's as young as he is out there. He's, I mean, his size alone, but his composure and his calmness with the puck when it's on his stick, he's very comfortable pinching in and keeping plays alive in the offensive zone. And it goes back to talking about Don Granado, just trusting players and letting them figure it out. He's, you know, a guy like Owen power went number one overall. He has, he's going to be one of those people who's exceptional at figuring things out uh, at whatever level, you know, when he has to figure it out. And so that's been Don Granado's approach, put him out there. He's on the power play, put him out there, see where maybe he needs some coaching if he does at all and jump in then, but don't overcoach him to the point where you're taking out some of the stuff that makes him special. And part of that is his instincts and, and the way he plays the game. So, I mean, he's got a legitimate chance to, to win the Calder, I think. And, uh, you know, as a defenseman, I think he's going to put up quite a few points, especially if he sticks on the power play all year. You know, it's fun whether it's fans together at a water cooler or a podcast or sometimes mainstream media talking about the forwards and the pairings and the defensemen and the pairings, but goaltending doesn't get talked about nearly enough. I don't think anyway. And you look back to say last year's Sabres team, Anderson got hurt and the goaltending was largely a mess because of large part injuries for now. This is a unit that's healthy and they brought in Eric Henry. Now look, if Anderson would have been healthy all of last year, they still weren't going to make the playoffs, but they would have. I think they would have won more games for sure. Been a little more competitive in the standings. Um, Eric Comrie, so he, he goes into the season now number one with Anderson there as well. UPL is going to start the season in Rochester. If you're a fan, what do you think uh, your confidence level in Eric Comrie being able to handle this type of role should be? I think it should be reasonably high, but I wouldn't go crazy with expectations just because. He hasn't done it, right? I mean, until he does have that type of workload, it's hard to know how that's going to translate in that sample size. There's a lot that's different about handling that type of workload in the NHL. I wouldn't panic over his preseason. He let in a ton of goals in the games that he played, but you know, apparently he was the one who asked to play in those games where they would be on the road, they would be facing tougher lineups, and the Sabres wouldn't be dressing a bunch of experienced players. You know, he wanted those assignments because he wanted more odd man rushes. He wanted to see more shots. And sure. uh, this is a guy that, man, he is like the last guy off the ice almost every single day. And it's like, I actually asked Don Granado over the weekend, you know, are you going to have to keep an eye on him? Because it's one thing to do that when you're playing 15 to 20 games a year. But if you're going to play 40, you know, you almost have to watch your your workload a little bit. So he said he had he's been thinking about it, but he's kind of just 
as it goes, you know, figures he'll let he'll let Eric know when, you know, maybe he needs to take the foot off the gas a little bit. But I think there's reason to be optimistic about the guy. The way he played, even in a small sample size, suggests he's ready for this opportunity. And it's the perfect kind of bet to make if you're the Sabres. You have Craig Anderson, who when he's healthy, can provide solid NHL goaltending. And then you have a few prospects that are still not quite there. I mean, UPL had a great preseason. And in another circumstance, you would maybe think, throw him in and and let's see you know, what the Sabres have. I could even see some people that are, are upset that they're not doing that after the way he's looked. I mean, he came back uh, in great shape, uh, spent the offseason in Finland and uh, training with a couple new goalie coaches and looked terrific. But rather than rushing him, you know, you give him the time to get all the starts in the AHL and and really get back, you know, try to stay healthy for a prolonged period of time and, and get, you know, get some confidence going. And in the meantime, if Eric Comrie hits, great situation. You know, Craig Anderson is not getting any younger, so it doesn't hurt to have a guy who's a quality NHL goalie. And then you got, you know, Devin Levi potentially a couple, you know, a couple years away from being in the NHL. So they're taking a, a bit of a patient approach. They didn't break the bank at goalie. They went and made a a calculated risk on a guy who needs more opportunity. And we'll see what he can do. I, I think personality-wise, he fits in perfectly with the, with this group and brings so much energy and such a positive, upbeat attitude. So there's a lot of reasons to root for the guy. And there's a lot of reasons to think that he can take advantage of this opportunity We'll just see how everything looks in front of him at times and, you know, how he's able to handle the ups and downs of a full NHL season. If he could stay healthy, and I'm talking about Comrie, if he could stay healthy this year and injuries aren't a factor, and let's just say he plays reasonably well, what do you look at? Maybe 50 to 55 games behind the net or behind the pipes to start? Yeah, I would think at least at least somewhere in the mid forties. I mean, some of it will probably depend on Anderson too, right? Like I, I sure. think it's, you have to think that UPL is going to be up at some point because I just don't know. We'll see. They have a plan to keep Craig Anderson healthy, but you know, uh, plans are just that, you know, they're, they're not reality. Right, and if, right, right. if he, you know, he, he can't handle the same workload that he used to. So yeah, I think, probably 50 games is a pretty reasonable expectation for Comrie unless, you know, UPL really shows like he's ready and they, they want to bring him up to eat into that workload. And, you know, if Craig Anderson can't stay healthy, you know, that number goes a little bit higher. So I'm really fascinated to see how the whole picture comes together because it's, it's got some interesting dynamics to it. And I know you said people don't talk enough about goalie. And as a former goalie, I feel like, by midseason, people are going to say I talk too much about goalie. I already warned Eric Comrie. I said, <laughs> I said I'm probably going to be at your locker a lot because you know it's. Uh, I like to nerd out about about the goalie position, and uh, certainly have already really enjoyed following Devin Levi and uh, and his career in college. So uh, I think it's an exciting position group because they have a, a veteran who could break out and become a starting level goalie. They have a prospect that's easy to not be as excited about in UPL because Devin Levi's sitting there and he's the shiny new toy, but that was UPL once upon a time and he still has a ton of talent and Devin Levi legitimately has a chance to be a, a special player. It's a, still a few years away, but 
it's an interesting, you know, group and they got Eric Portillo sitting there still as well. And, uh, you know, picked a goalie in the second round this year. So they're pretty well stocked. Wrapping up here with uh, Matthew Fairburn. So minus a year, you've been in this market. Now you're covering the Sabres. When you were covering the Bills, you paid attention to the Sabres and, you know, heard a lot from fans. Do you get a sense that the excitement, you know, like when the Buffalo Bills were on the come up, you kind of, as a Bills fan, Bills fans, I kind of had a sense that their time was coming. And I'm starting to feel a little bit that way right now. I want to know your thoughts on that because I remember, man, I do shows, hockey shows with Joe Yurden or other hockey people on here. And about a year or so ago at this time before the season, I had my excitement level was almost at zero. I mean, they had traded away Sam Reinhardt. They traded away. Well, Rasmus Rissling was kind of like addition by subtraction. But we knew Jack Eichel. He wasn't traded, but we knew his career in Buffalo was done. They stripped him of his captaincy. It was just a disaster. And going back even – you know, a handful of years before that, before the tanking. And, you know, when it was apparent that that wasn't going to work, it got to a point. And I know you pay at least somewhat attention on social media. Like, God forbid the Sabres would tweet out happy birthday, Terry Bagula or Kim Bagula or, or players, you know, whatever Skinner, when he wasn't scoring and fans, you could just sense the, the nastiness towards fans, the frustration. They're fed up with the losing. Do you kind of get a sense right now? that um, the excitement in Buffalo hockey is back. Certainly the most it's been in quite a while. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. Even watching from afar last year, I was, you know, since I was talking to John and, you know, had an idea that this was something I might pursue, it was around the time of that that Jack Eichel game that I, you know, f- was really flipping on the games pretty regularly, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, that game alone, you know, showed me what Buffalo can can be as a hockey market when there's a reason to care, which there have been so very few. And, you know, Rick Jenneret, you know, obviously brought back more of that excitement with his farewell tour. And it just felt like people were waiting for a reason to care again and waiting for, you know, something worth feeling good about. And I'm not saying they're going to, you know, break through and make the playoffs or that they're a dark horse Stanley Cup team because they're they're finally doing it patiently and methodically and not trying to skip steps like they did in years past. I remember 2015, 2016, you know, the energy in that building was legit. You know, the you know, Jack Eichel's first couple years in the league people were really optimistic about what it was going to mean and and what they were going to be as a team. I remember the, it would have been maybe 2019 or maybe it was 2018 that they had that winning streak and being in some bars downtown when they were winning, it was like, Holy smokes. Like, and look, I know it's, it's a bill's town, right? Like the way people are about the bills right now is, uh, through the roof for good reason. I mean, it's, it's one of those years that, uh, you know, it's, you know, could be a special one. So I think that's going to take away some of the excitement about the Sabres until football is over. But I do think people have a good feeling about what they're doing and they should have a good feeling about what they're doing. It doesn't mean it's going to work out and it doesn't mean, you know, they're going to make the playoffs this year or that even, you know, that this version of the rebuild will be perfect, but I think at the very least they're in a spot where, I mean, the the young talent is well stocked and they're just in a spot where there's reason to feel like 
it should turn a corner eventually and maybe even quicker than people think because they do, you know, they really think these guys can grow fast and can learn really fast. And they're still the youngest team in the NHL, but weirder things have happened. So uh, I, my hope is that it it is what Sabres fans have longed for for a long time because unlike the NFL where, the, you know, the NFL is kind of big everywhere. Hockey is bigger in certain places, and Buffalo is one of those places, even though there hasn't been reason to care very much. And I've never really gotten – I've only gotten a chance to see it. Like I could name off the top of my hand. I just did those handful of times since right. I lived here that people were really geared up, and that's not their fault. There's nothing to be geared up about. And so hopefully this is a group that's fun to watch and that you know people can can feel pretty good about and that there's some noticeable improvement because – uh, you know, there's certainly all the pieces in place to to have a little bit of something going. Well, I'll tell you, this is Buffalo will always be a football town. That said, going back before that, I mean, it might feel like a lifetime ago, but there was a time when the Sabres, when they were good with Briere and Drury and Campbell and all these guys where it was as bit, every bit as much exciting as football, if not more. That arena was packed every night. It was loud. There was parties in the plaza outside, people standing outside to watch the games. Bars were full everywhere. Excitement was through the roof. And I really hope that this organization, if they're, if they're not going to contend right away, at least that they're good enough to, to start really building uh, that excitement back. One final question, I'm going to let you go. And I know this is kind of rhetorical, but over the last couple of years, and again, I haven't talked to you in a couple of years. It was before COVID. Obviously, your job changed a lot with COVID, the way you were able to cover the Bills and the Patriots. But now you're back here in Buffalo. You're covering the Sabres. Most protocols are back to the way they used to be. How important is that as a reporter to be able to have that access, to be able to get into that locker room and have those one-on-one times with certain players or coaches and, you know, just being at the press conference as opposed to these Zoom pressers where you get to ask a question and maybe if you're lucky, you might get to follow up a question and then it's on the next guy. Like how important is it to be able to cover the team the way you're going to be able to now? It's huge. It's, uh, it's, I wasn't sure we would ever get it all the way back to, to where it is. And especially being on a new beat, it's absolutely, you know, like the most important thing is that I can, you know, I can go up and shake a guy's hand, right? Like I don't have to wear, wear a mask and I don't have to be behind a computer screen and that they can know who I am. And even, you know, something, simple as being able to go around the locker room and it not always, you know, yeah, it will be great when there's those times where you can have a a 30, 40 minute conversation with a guy for a big profile, but also those times where you need to have three or four, four minute conversations with a few different players to pull a story together. Sure. That became like pulling teeth. uh, You know, if you wanted to put stuff like that together and sometimes couldn't even do it like on the Patriots beat, it was, it was almost impossible to, to get that, any sort of one-on-one time because the market's so big and they just couldn't handle all the, all the requests. So yeah, it's, it's taken some getting used to Like you walk in the locker room and you're like, Whoa, like it's been, uh, you know, almost three years since, you know, stepping foot in a locker room, uh, when I did, you know, last week for the first time with the Sabres. And so my hope is that, you know, I, I know it's something that to a lot of people probably doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but, my hope is that it'll show up in the type of stories that people get to read and 
they can feel a little bit closer to the team and, and the coverage can be a little bit more engaging because there was ways to get creative before with the phone and, and different things like that. But it's hard to replace those relationships that you build in that, you know, informal setting, especially in a, it's going to be a long hockey season. There's going to be plenty of uh, access to these guys. And so I think that's helped me get up to speed so quickly, even just walking around, introducing myself to guys and letting them know who I am. Uh, so I'm not just a, a masked face asking them a question. It's, I'm glad it's back. It, it's made the job, you know, really energizing again. Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to be looking forward to reading a lot of your work. That's going to do it for this episode. Everyone, make sure you check out Matt on Twitter at Matthew Fairburn. I don't even need to sell the athletic. Everybody already knows that. <laughs> it is exciting to have you back, though, in covering a team that I think is going to be, I don't know how good they're going to be in the standings, but I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be an entertaining brand of hockey uh, with the Sabres this year. Anyway, thank you very much, Matt. It's good to have you back on the podcast, and it's good to have you back in Buffalo, man. Thanks so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. And we'll have to do it before three years. Uh, we'll, we'll have to do it a little bit sooner next time. <laughs>